Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from beautiful, sunny uh, Tucson, Arizona, enjoying the warm weather down here, or warmer than when it where it is in Washington State, where I'm from. So, And you don't want to miss out today's episode. Alex Mitchell, who has been all over the news the last few years, is going to share his story of how he was injured by a vaccine. He's going to tell us more specifics about that, but it's a very tragic story. Unfortunately, he's not the only one. He's going to share that story. He's going to share some interesting things too, and we'll bring those um, articles up about how he was interviewed, I guess incorrectly is what to say uh, about his opinions. And we're going to talk about that article and basically how it was used as propaganda um, against his will. So Alex, without further ado, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you very much for the lovely warm welcome. I'm looking forward to John. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for being on. It's an honor and a privilege. Um, I appreciate the knowledge you're going to share with us. You shared a little bit of your story um, before the podcast. And why don't you just go ahead and tell your story? Um, well, my name's Alex Mitchell. And in March 2021, at the age of 56, in the height of the the pandemic, COVID was killing everyone and people were dying in the streets and nobody could go anywhere. I went and did what I thought was the right thing and everything seemed fine for the first weekend. I was told flu-like symptoms, cold fever, sore arm, nothing unusual. First of April, the idea is not lost on me. I'm a construction worker. I work in the steel industry. I'm a scaffolder, which is a steel erector uh, across the pond. And I thought I'd pulled my calf muscles. I struggled on for a couple of days. And on the 4th of April, I collapsed at home, uh, rushed to hospital, became conscious in hospital, was told I needed to sign a piece of paper to go for a CT scan. The CT scan was still spinning. And the same doctor was saying, we need to go to theatre. We need to go now. And I said, I'm in trouble. She said, you're in the worst possible trouble. I was given five minutes to phone my, my wife and two daughters and say goodbye to them. And unknown to me, less than 30 feet away, my wife and two daughters were in a room being told by the same doctors that they had no hope. They had never seen anything like this. It's not that they were going to give up, they were just being realistic. Um, And if I did survive, which was highly unlikely, it would be from the waist up. I spent seven and a half hours in surgery, having clots removed from both my legs at the same time, because the clots were forming faster than two people could take the clots out. After seven and a half hours, they still didn't know why I was in the hospital, how I was in the hospital, what happened, it wasn't very clear at that point. However, having no underlying health conditions, being supremely fit and healthy, and the only thing that had happened in my life in the previous six weeks was a vaccine. Um, so that at that point it was mentioned, but it wasn't being specifically spoke about. It was also informed to me that they'd saved my right leg, my abdomen, and unfortunately, they, they had a concern for my left leg. 
the concern went from a concern in 15 minutes to there will be an amputation. I asked for a week in the hope that there would be some miracle of repair or it being a below the knee. And I spoke to the ultimately the, the, vax, the vascular surgeon who amputated my leg, who is actually a loveliest man uh, medically and a very kind human being. Uh, for at length for about two and a half hours about my life, my passions, what I was, what this meant to me. And I asked him if there was no hope. And he said, I'll give you a week. And I said, I'll take it. I now realise he didn't give me a week because I asked for it. We've spoke since then. He gave me the week because my body couldn't have survived another, another surgery, an amputation. Um, so I spent a full week in isolation. I could only speak to my wife, my family via telephone call or through FaceTime. And on the 11th of April, I went into a theatre and I survived, but I'm now an above the knee amputation. At that point, it was pretty much thought, this is definitely vaccine. We're waiting on the results of further tests. Eight days later, I was home um, from the hospital. Within three months, I was walking without sticks. And then I put some weight on. Unfortunately, I put, lost over three stone in hospital. Um, and I put some weight on, which meant my prosthetic leg no longer fitted. So I've, I've now, and then I had some issues for about nine months with muscles, tendons, and it was a possible scare with a bone infection. As I say, I left the hospital eight days later with, it was on my discharge papers that this was, at that point it was called thrombiotic thrombothenia, uh, which is a standard name for basically multiple clotting. It, and it was most likely to be vaccine. Within two weeks, it was classified as a condition, so a medical condition called VIT, that's V-I-T-T, and that's vaccine-induced thrombiotic thrombothenia. What it means is that the AstraZeneca vaccine has done something within my blood at a level uh, that can't be reversed. To explain that, within your blood you have white blood cells, white blood cells, plasma, hemoglobin. If you go down a level, you go to your antibodies level. And there's a small antibody called platelet PF4. It's a negative antibody. Very important. That's the antibody that keeps your blood the consistency as if it's not regulated around about 96, 97% of your blood uh, percentage, you have issues with either too much oxygen in your blood and you can die, not enough oxygen and you clot and you can die. It's turned the negative PF4 antibody in the vets to positive which means I'm effectively a permanent clotting machine. I'm on a range of medication that keeps my blood stabilised just now. Um, at the moment, in my case, it's permanent. I'm still 100% positive. And at the moment, I have other issues. I've gone, I think a clot exploded in my right eye, which has damaged the eyesight to, to the extent I now have to wear glasses at the level I've got. Um, so in, I left hospital, as I say, on around about the 18th, 19th of 
April 2021, and I was told I was the only person in the world or the first person in the world to survive with the level of this that I had. And within two weeks, I found out that there was more than me. There was actually 300 at that point. And over the last 22 months, that number is now 445 fits in the UK, tragically with 81 fatalities. Um, I'm now, these people are my friends now because we keep each other alive, because what government has abandoned us, what health services in many cases has abandoned us, and the mainstream media has abandoned us. So that's kind of where we are now. I set off looking for other people 18, 22 months ago to try, not because I wanted to do anything, but to try and find others like me for help and support. Because no one knew what that was, so I knew there was others out there. And I've kind of ended up here. I'm not sure how I ended up here, to be honest with you, Sean, in many ways. Um, maybe it's the, the Scottishness in me, the Glasgow, East End Glasgow. I was born, a, I think most people in life realise they're either a flighter or a fighter. And I think I realised as a young, a very young lad, I was a fighter. And I just see this way as another fight. I was perfectly happy where I was in my life. And you effectively took everything away from me. And you expect me to sit and take that. So, no, I started shouting on social media. And I've ended up where I am now, which is basically part of a worldwide movement to try and get help and support for all the vaccine injured bereaved, not just in the UK, not just for me, worldwide. So speaking of, well, thank you for sharing your story. And, and, you know, it's tragic and, you know, it looks like you're making a positive out of this and you are going to educate people um, about um, this um, side effect. So speaking of mainstream media, uh, when I was doing some research on you, I found this article and you said you talk about this article almost every day. So this article isn't all what it's what it's what is cracked up to be it's not really true is that correct uh this article has been the bane of my life for 22 months now i never once said to uh, anyone to go and get anything i've always said do your research find out what's right for you and make your decision that's democracy the article came about I was literally, I came out of hospital on the Thursday and the article was done on the Friday. If you have a look closely on that photograph, you can see just how haunted I actually look. That was a photographer friend of mine who thought he was helping by raising, to help me raise awareness and find other people like me. And this article came out, urging one in a million inspirational amputee. And I've had, and all that's done is cause people who think I got, I'm wrong because I took a vaccine and I'm complaining about it. Those that think I should never have took a vaccine, I deserve all I got because I took a vaccine. I get labelled as misinformation, which entitles the whole world to come and give me a doing. And I've took this for 18 months to the point where I thought I was alone. And over the course of, time 
it was discovered that I wasn't. This is a very common theme by the so-called mainstream media to the point where I did another article to totally debut this kind of disgusting. All this is done and add mental trauma to people like me. We've been through a living hell that most people on this planet mentally can never and never will understand. To be hated by every faction of society. So here's the here's the follow up article. Um, talk about this. This was a chap who had reached out to a few of the vaccine injured and bereaved because there have been many stories. Some of them have lost their wives, some of them have lost their husbands, and the story was spun, but they still urge everyone to take the vaccine. And he'd come across a few, so he reached out and agreed to do an article on the condition I fact-checked it. That article took six weeks of research from his researchers and three weeks of my research to clarify every single point in that article to make sure there is no debiety. And it was, it was, it was probably the most in-depth description of it and the situation that we face ourselves in up until that point. Because, as I say, even up until today, before I spoke to yourself, I was already having to defend this Sunday Post article. And it gets worse. On Saturday, I attended an event in London that was called The Truth Be Told, which was only vaccine injured and bereaved, confirmed medically verified medically, certified and acknowledged by the UK government speaking about what's happened to us. And the Sunday, the Rolling Stone magazine used the image of me and all the vaccine injured and called us conspiracy theorists, anti-vaxxers. They've got 6.13 million followers. Can you imagine the abuse that we are now all taking? Wow. I'm absolutely, so, I'm disgusted, just, I'm looking. This was just last you know, week? This was on Saturday. Wow. I attended a march in London for a silent protest where there was nearly 6,000 of us all told. We walked through London in silent protest. Well, I didn't, I was on a wheelchair. And we went to 10 Downing Street to register our our disgust at the, the, the way the, the UK government has treated its own citizens. And we, lo we, we actually lay white roses in remembrance of those whose deaths have been confirmed by vaccines and the injuries. Because I can't deal with the mental anguish of on a personal level of what's happened to me just by losing a limb. I'm constantly fighting a battle just to be acknowledged. I get censored. I get abuse. I get told just to go away and die. I'm a family man who's got a family who sees this stuff. We have lost too many people now, Sean, to suicide for this very reason. Yeah. And yes, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. You, as well you should be. And I'm glad that you're, you're fighting the fight because um, some people aren't um, willing to step up um, because of the way they get beat up like you are getting beat up. So I appreciate you doing that. Um, so it's amazing to me that they are still calling people out and, and you know, making threats and 
calling people names when the facts do not support what they're saying. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, people that are getting the vaccines are, or that have had the vaccines are the ones that are getting COVID and the people that aren't necessarily vaccinated aren't the ones that are dying. So I just wonder when they're going to stop with this. In fact, I think the UK, maybe you can mention this. I'm not going to, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think the UK just came out yesterday and said they're not recommending the the vaccine booster for anybody under 50. So I don't know, is their narrative going to change? I think the narrative has to change because you can call me rare because that's the other label that I get. Abbott, you're very rare. Well, how rare does it have to be? Define rare when it becomes a problem. Well, now at the stage where, you know, I I primarily discuss AstraZeneca because that's the one that affected me. But I can certainly go into Pfizer. I can go into Moderna. I can go into Johnson & Johnson and tell you that the data medically tells you that they're not safe and they're not effective. You know, I'm I'm the biggest evidence in the world on this planet right now that they're not safe or effective. I didn't need this. Right. So speaking of not safe and effective, um, tell us about this movie um, called Safe and Effective, A Second Opinion. Tell us a little bit about this movie. This started way back last January when a chap called Mark Sharman reached out to me. I didn't know who Mark Sharman was. Mark Sharman's had over 50 years in media at a very high level. He was a senior sports producer, director for Sky Sports. The man had retired. And two years ago, he started to see things in the press and thought, this is awful slanted one way. This, this doesn't, doesn't, didn't, something didn't sit right with him. And he's, he was told about people like me. And he decided, he looked into it and he thought, no, this, this is not fair. And he came out of retirement and he did this incredible, wonderful documentary. And I advise everyone in us to, to watch it. It's a fabulous production. Um, it is the most accurate, factual sort of a glimpse of the whole pandemic in the way the UK government. And I, I want to say probably most governments in the coercion, the, the pushing, the narrative of save your granny, don't hug your children, case stay six feet, all of that, the, the, the insanity of it. Um, and when I first met Mark, I first spoke to Mark, because I've been, over the last 18 months to two years, I've been bitten and bumped so many times. You know, people, so many people reach out and say, we're going to do this for you, we're going to do that to help. And not all of them don't do it for nefarious reasons. You know, there's other reasons, but very rarely did, did they do it. But Mark, not only did he do a wonderful job, he's actually a good friend. And I spoke to him earlier on this afternoon before I come on here. Um and he cares. That is the thing. He dedicated his finances, his time, his experience, all his knowledge, and put that out on his own. I, you know, with regards to on, along with it, all the, all those involved at Oracle Films. It wasn't just solely Mark. There's lots of people involved, but Mark's the 
the sort of a face of it. Um, and that's probably the most heartbiting story that, that's in there. And that's only, again, just a snippet of six to eight people. And yet you say there's 445 in the UK alone. And that's just for VIT. Right. You know, we've, not right. In, we're not even looking at Guillain-Barre syndrome. We're right. not looking at Bell's palsy, myocarditis, pyocarditis, POTS, trichodemia. The list goes on and on and on. We've got people that have got brain issues. We've all got brain issues. I'm now receiving the... I'm, I've had to do... I've got an appointment with my medical team because my brain fog is becoming an issue. And we need to see what what is it is it the medication or can it be it's something else. So we need to find out what the problem is. Can it be fixed? Can it not? You know, and this is where we are. We've got no help and support. We're having to do all of this on our own. So is there any kind of resource that you can direct people to, to where if they've been vaccine injured, um, you know, like a group support thing or, because I know. Um, there are several yeah. kicking about. The reason I don't name them, Sean, is because what we've found in the past is that they've been reported and shut down. And the problem with that is that in these groups, we have people who are in a very, very dark place in a regular, uh, regular times. And that's the only place that they have to go. And we lost two people in America last year when they shut down one of the biggest groups there. We have had two or four, two or three groups shut down. And it's not people being anti-vax. It's not conspiracy theories. This is people at death's door scrambling, screaming for any crumb of help and support and knowledge that anyone can give them. They are out there, you know, if people want to join these groups and they want to reach out to me through Twitter, I'm quite happy to do that. Obviously, I'm not just going to automatically guide people straight into a group of vulnerable people when I don't know some of these people are. So they need to call it a vetting service if you want. You know, it's okay, terrible so that we're at that stage. The best way to get a hold of you is probably on Twitter. No, I'm just saying, yes, that's the only sort of the platform yeah. I really use now. So what's next, Alex? Um, where do we go from here? I mean, considering I kind of thought that, you know, we were over the biggest hurdle and that the government was going to start backing off on this kind of stuff. But sounds like just last Saturday, you know, they're still pushing the same narrative. So where do we go from here? When does it stop? It stops when we make it stop. And and what do you mean by that? How do we make it stop? Well, my voice doesn't make one bit of difference. And it's a loud voice. And I scream very quiet and I'm very vocal about it. But that's not going to go anywhere. Two voices, 200,000 voices, 2 million voices. That's a different story. Every time there's been an issue in history, the people that have changed it has been the public. Not the governments, not your officialdom, not your mainstream media, it's been the public themselves. And I, I say it all the time, Sean. I, I tell my story, and it's a heartbreaking story. I, I don't tell it because I want sympathy or I want pity. In the nicest possible way, that's not what I'm here for. I want your voice. 
I really do. Because if I can get your voice and your neighbor's voice and their voice, that's when we'll stop this. You know, well, we haven't even touched yeah. where it goes next. Now they're going, you know, they're going for children. Right. And, and that's it. one of the reasons that we have people like yourself on and that we have this podcast um, is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So anybody that is listening, anybody that is watching, please share this story with anybody that has been affected by the pandemic whatsoever, which basically everyone in the world has. So please share this story so we can get the news out and we can gather people to help stop um you know, medical mandates. Uh, you know, we really need to push for medical freedom. Patients need the choice. To, they need to be educated to make their own individual choice about their medical decisions. I, I think, yeah, there's lots of avenues that we now know informed consent is an issue. Do no harm is a serious issue. Um, keeping up with current medical knowledge and experience as a, an issue, because that's part of the whole medical oath. That's one side of it. Um, I'm n I've always said, I'm not here to tell you what to do. You're an idol. I'll never tell you what to do. I tell you to go and do your research and do what's right for you, and I'll support you. That's democracy. Yeah. But what I will yeah. say to you is, I'm here to tell you, should it go wrong, and believe me, I know it goes wrong, I want to tell you just exactly where you're going to be in life. The children right. is an easy one for me. I don't tell adults what to do, but I'm a parent. I've got a duty of care to tell the world what I know about these things, especially every parent I can touch. Three questions, the simplest questions in this world that you need to be asked. Number one, can you supply the independently verified safety data for children? Number two, will the government support your child for life should they go wrong? Number three, will the pharmaceutical su company support your child for life should they go wrong? Now, as a parent, you've got a duty of care to ask those three basic questions. You've got a bigger duty of care to know the answers. And if the answer's no to anyone, you really should be considering what you're doing to your child. And worldwide, at this present moment in time, the answer to, to all questions is no. Those are great questions. And I will tell you, they're going to have a hard time finding the answer to them. Um, and yeah. that's the whole point. So that's why you ask them. But those, I think those are serious questions that parents have to ask um, and for. We can go down to the scientific data. You know, Children have got a 99.97% chance of not having any problem with this virus, whatever it is. However, that's not the odds they have about being harmed with any of these vaccines. Right. Why would you want to put your child in danger with odds that are against it for something it doesn't need? I can't change my life, Sean. Nothing in this world will ever give me my leg back in the life that I had and the man that I was. But that's it's bigger than me now. Yeah, it sure is. Well, I I, I got to say something. You know, my, my favorite movie ever, and I don't know, maybe Scottish people don't like this movie, but my favorite movie ever is Braveheart. 
And I knew, I knew you were going to say I figured, you know, and I can, when I hear your accent coming out, it makes me think of that movie. And I just love it because it's about freedom. That's what it's about. And yes. um, I think I, I've shared many of the many little trailers or little short segments of that during this pandemic, because that's, we have to stand up and fight. And I see you as a modern day William Wallace without a sword. Um, well, I, I take the the compliment as a huge compliment. Um, the the film Brave is a wonderful film for the message of freedom, justice, the right to be a free man. Right. Uh, as a Scotsman, the problem I have with it is that it's historical; it's all over the place. You yeah, know, I've heard that. It, <laughs> there's elements of it that just couldn't possibly have happened, yeah. you know, because there was too many years passed in between. But it's a great movie. Um, I do Twitter spaces now and again. Uh, I, sometimes I do speeches and I talk and things like that. And I was on one with a crowd of people from America, and all they wanted me to do was recite the Braveheart speech from William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I still I still got a talent. I'm not sure what it is though. <laughs> well, you know, my favorite part of that one is run and you might live for a while i mean and, and that's true eventually you have to fight because if you don't yes. and that's why when i when i speak up for myself um it's not just about my self-interest i mean because i want everybody to have an individual choice for their medical freedom and freedom in general so it's not just about me it's about you it's about everybody else i believe in individual liberty and yes. so if we don't fight for it now then we'll never have it. I, I do believe that if I look at my journey over the last 22 months and what the kind of space has kind of moved that to a certain extent, from, I want to say, September when Safe and Effective came out, since then to now, the, the, the dam is bursting. And it's not just bursting in one place, it's bursting all over the world. How long can they sweep people and hide them Right. when there's thousands of you? I said it on Saturday, and I, I do want to apologise publicly for the words that I used because it didn't come out the way I meant it. You know, I said there's an army coming from, unfortunately, it's an army of the walking dead. And I represent, and I believe, and I do take it personally, that I'm representing the deaths of so many people. And I didn't mean that comment in that way. It's only now looking back that I go, but I never write anything down. Nothing's ever prepared in advance, anything I ever do, because I, I want it to be exactly what it is, coming from the heart. Exactly. And I'm, and I'm, an, I'm just an ordinary working class guy. No, nobody gave, I've got no skills for this. The neatest I got to this was playing in a band for a couple of years. <laughs> right. So as we wind this podcast up, Alex, um, what do you have a passion for? Um, I'm an, an old mod, uh, so I'm into old 60s music, old classic Italian scooters, Vespas, three-piece suits, shirts, ties, collars, <laughs> all the, the full trappings. Yeah, I'm an old, I've been at one of them since I was about 17, uh, and I've still got a scooter. I sold the one that I'm on the picture on that you showed, because I thought my scooting days were over. Sadly, um, and I broke my heart because that was a scooter I would have bought when I was 16. Wow. 
and I finally got one and rebuilt her myself. I did all the work on that scooter. And I, I realised two days after I'd done the wrong thing. Uh, now, cut a long story short, I basically blackmailed one of my best friends and I've now got a 50-year-old scooter. <laughs> and yeah, she's been fully restored. Um, right. She's absolutely stunning. Um, I'll, if you want, I'll send you a picture of her. Um, she's she's very sexy. So yeah, that's that was my passion. Music has always been my passion. Music, Motown, I suppose you would call it. We call it Northern Soul, um, which is Motown songs not sung by the original artist or yeah. sung by an original artist that someone else has done, made a song out of, it's not been released. Um, flows, my scooters, that was always my passion. Um, but that life's gone because I'm not known as Alec in the Mod anymore. I'm known as Vit. And that that is something that's taking time to try and adjust to because, you, yeah, you lose your identity, not just the fact that you've lost alone and you lose your identity as a human being that way but your identity of yourself the other public people so people that know me always knew Alex Ahmad now it's Alec Vitt Alec the guy with one leg or the guy that lost his leg to the vaccine um, I, I don't fancy writing all those letters down I'd rather narrow it down just to just Alex again right I can see you know, but as I say, this is way bigger than me. It's, this is about justice Absolutely. and what's right. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for fighting the fight, Alex. And if anybody wants to get a hold of hold of you, Twitter is the best way to look you up. Alex Mitchell, correct? Yeah. Or AKE2306. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And you've helped us realize our goal today on this podcast, which is, which, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So I really appreciate it, Alex. I'm going to finish in one thing then, since it's on Please. health. I'm going to say something to everyone. And this is something I said to myself on the 4th of April. You don't know how strong you are till it's all you've got. Every one of us. I'm not a special human being. I'm no different from anyone else on this planet. We all have this thing inside us. All you need to do is find it and believe in it. And it will drive you. And when you find it, you fear nothing. And that's the best feeling in the world. Thank Boy, you, that sounds like William Wallace right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thank you for that. Thank uh, you. So and thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning in today. Monday, our regular scheduled podcast, 12.30 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time, we will have Laura Turner, one of our loyal listeners and viewers. Um, she's been on our podcast before. She's got a great uh, weight loss story where she went keto and, and lost weight and changed her and her family's lives. She's going to be sharing her keto recipes. She um, has a Facebook group, and I follow it, and she makes some amazing stuff um, keto-friendly. So you don't want to miss out on that. Listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Alex, thank you so much today.